With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Part 2. The Landlooker. Chapters 22, 23, 24, and 25 of The Blaze Trailed by Stuart Edward White. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Tom Weiss. Chapter 22. The train was just leisurely making up for departure. Thorpe, dressed as he was in old pepper-and-salt garments patched with buckskin, his hat a flopping travesty on headgear, his moccasins worn and dirty, his face bearded and bronze, tried as much as possible to avoid attention. He sent an instant telegram to Wallace Carpenter, conceived as follows. Wire 30,000 my order care land office Detroit, before nine o'clock tomorrow morning. Do it if you have to rustle all night. Important. Then he took a seat in the baggage car on a pile of boxes and philosophically waited for the train to start. He knew that sooner or later the man, provided he were on the train, would stroll through the car, and he wanted to be out of the way. The baggage man proved friendly, so Thorpe chatted with him until after bedtime. Then he entered the smoking car and waited patiently for morning. So far the affair had gone very well. It had depended on personal exertions, and he had made it go. Now he was forced to rely on outward circumstances. He argued that the upriver man would have first to make his financial arrangements before he could buy in the land, and this would give the landlooker a chance to get in ahead at the office. There would probably be no difficulty about that. The man suspected nothing. But Thorpe had to confess himself fearfully uneasy about his own financial arrangements. That was the rub. Wallace Carpenter had been sincere enough in his informal striking of partnership. But had he retained his enthusiasm? Had second thought convicted him of folly? Had conservative business friends dissuaded him? Had the glow faded in the reality of his accustomed life? And even if his goodwill remained unimpaired, would he be able at such short notice to raise so large a sum? Would he realize from Thorpe's telegram the absolute necessity of haste? At the last thought Thorpe decided to send a second message from the next station. He did so. It read, Another buyer of timber on same train with me must have money at nine o'clock or lose land. He paid day rates on it to ensure immediate delivery. Suppose the boy should be away from home. Everything depended on Wallace Carpenter, and Thorpe could not but confess the chance slender. One other thought made the night seem long. Thorpe had but thirty dollars left. Morning came at last, 
and the train drew in and stopped. Thorpe, being in the smoking car, dropped off first and stationed himself near the exit, where he could look over the passengers without being seen. They filed past. Two only he could accord the role of master lumbermen. The rest were plainly drummers or hayseeds. And in these two Thorpe recognized Daly and Morrison themselves. They passed within ten feet of him, talking earnestly together. At the curb they hailed a cab and drove away. Thorpe with satisfaction heard them call the name of a hotel. It was still two hours before the land office would open. Thorpe ate breakfast at the depot and wandered slowly up Jefferson Avenue to Woodward, a strange piece of our country's medievalism in modern surroundings. He was so occupied with his own thoughts that for some time he remained unconscious of the attention he was attracting. Then with a start he felt that everyone was staring at him. The hour was early, so that few besides the working classes were abroad, but he passed one lady driving leisurely to an early train whose frank scrutiny brought him to himself. He became conscious that his broad hat was weather-soiled and limp, that his flannel shirt was faded, that his pepper-and-salt trousers were patched, that moccasins must seem as anachronistic as chain-mail. It abashed him. He could not know that it was all wild and picturesque, that his straight and muscular figure moved with a grace quite its own in the woods, that the bronze of skin contrasted splendidly with the clearness of his eye, that his whole bearing expressed the serene power that comes only from the confidence of battle. The woman in the carriage saw it, however. "'He is magnificent!' she cried. "'I thought such men had died with Cooper!' Thorpe whirled sharp on his feet and returned at once to a boarding-house off Fort Street, where he had outfitted three months before. There he claimed his valise, shaved, clothed himself in linen and cheviot once more, and sauntered slowly over to the land office to await its opening. End of chapter 22 Chapter 23 At nine o'clock neither of the partners had appeared. Thorpe entered the office and approached the desk. "'Is there a telegram here for Harry Thorpe?' he inquired. The clerk to whom he addressed himself merely motioned with his head toward a young fellow behind the railing in a corner. The latter, without awaiting the question, shifted comfortably and replied, No. At the same instant steps were heard in the corridor, the door opened, and Mr. Morrison appeared on the sill. Then Thorpe showed the stuff of which he was made. Is this a desk for buying government lands? he asked hurriedly. Yes, replied the clerk. I have some descriptions I wish to buy in. Very well, replied the clerk. What township? Thorpe detailed the figures which he knew by heart, the clerk took from a cabinet the three books containing them, and spread them out on the counter. At this moment the bland voice of Mr. Morrison made itself heard at Thorpe's elbow. "'Good morning, Mr. Smithers,' it said with the deliberation of the consciously great man. "'I have a few descriptions I would like to buy in the northern peninsula.' "'Good morning, Mr. Morrison. Archie there will attend to you. Archie, see what Mr. Morrison wishes.' The lumberman and the other clerk consulted in a low voice, after which the official turned to fumble among the records. Not finding what he wanted, he approached Smithers. A whispered consultation ensued between these two. Then Smithers called, "'Take a seat, Mr. Morrison. This gentleman is looking over these townships, and will have finished in a few minutes.' Morrison's eye suddenly became uneasy. "'I am somewhat busy this morning,' he objected, with a shade of command in his voice. 
"'If this gentleman,' suggested the clerk delicately, "'I am sorry,' put in Thorpe with brevity. "'My time, too, is valuable.' Morrison looked at him sharply. "'My deal is a big one,' he snapped. "'I can probably arrange with this gentleman to let him have his farm.' "'I claim precedence,' replied Thorpe calmly. "'Well,' said Morrison, swift as light, "'I'll tell you, Smithers, I'll leave my list of descriptions and a check with you. Give me a receipt and mark my lands off after you've finished with this gentleman. Now government and state lands are the property of the man who pays for them. Although the clerk's receipt might not give Morrison a valid claim, nevertheless it would afford basis for a lawsuit. Thorpe saw the trap and interposed. Hold on, he interrupted. I claim precedence. You can give no receipt for any land in these townships until after my business is transacted. I have reason to believe that this gentleman and myself are both after the same descriptions. What? shouted Morrison, assuming surprise. You will have to await your turn, Mr. Morrison, said the clerk, virtuous before so many witnesses. The businessman was in a white rage of excitement. I insist on my application being filed at once, he cried, waving his check. I have the money right here to pay for every acre of it and if I know the law, the first man to pay takes the land. He slapped the check down on the rail and hit a number of times with the flat of his hand. Thorpe turned and faced him with a steel look in his level eyes. Mr. Morrison, he said, you are quite right. The first man who pays gets the land, but I have won the first chance to pay. You will kindly step one side until I finish my business with Mr. Smithers here. I suppose you have the amount actually with you, said the clerk quite respectfully, because if you have not, Mr. Morrison's claim will take precedence. I would hardly have any business in a land office if I did not know that, replied Thorpe, and began his dictation of the description as calmly as though his inside pocket contained the required amount in bank bills. Thorpe's hopes had sunk to zero. After all, looking at the matter dispassionately, why should he expect Carpenter to trust him, a stranger, with so large a sum? It had been madness. Only the blind confidence of the fighting man led him further into the struggle. Another would have given up, would have stepped aside from the path of this bona fide purchaser with the money in his hand. But Thorpe was of the kind that hangs on until the last possible second, not so much in the expectation of winning as in sheer reluctance to yield. Such men shoot their last cartridge before surrendering, swim the last ounce of strength from their arms before throwing them up to sink, search coolly until the latest moment for a way from the burning building, and sometimes come face to face with miracles. 